I'm going to go through Acts chapter 20, a few verses of it, right? And Jordan will take you guys through it as we're getting there. Well, men's breakfast showed up the next morning. And do you know what Paul shared? Acts chapter 20, the exact verses we were covering. So (laughs) I told Jordan that, he just laughed. So we're still going to cover that, right? And maybe repetition is a healthy thing. Obviously, as a camp director, there's a lot of repetition with kids, right? Train them up, right? Just those things. And so, which is a good thing, but we're going to go through it. And one of the most, I don't know, intimidating things is, I think, potentially, is to be a leader. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I I don't necessarily want to jump out and say, hey, I'm going to be a leader. Let me do it. The Lord has placed me in that, and it's a humbling thing. But I believe God has called us to step up and to lead. But how do we do it, right? And it's always a difficult message. How do you teach about leading? Because it's really easy to show failures. You know, as we got in for first service, one of precious people from the church shared of of us not coming in to visit on a hospital visit. And so I I publicly, I said, you know, please forgive me for not visiting you in the hospital because that's kind of what we do, right? And so we fail, right? But how do we walk well? How do we walk overall well in the midst of this? So, you know, and I just think about this. There's a meme, which, you know, that if you guys want to put up, this is how I feel most of the time. You know, (laughs) imitate me as I imitate Christ. You know, you see Jesus there and Paul's, you know, Paul's like rocking it. But then there's me with a string bag sitting over my head trying to show what's going on, right? Do you guys ever feel that way, right? You get called out to go do something, and you're like, I don't fit. You know, the amazing thing is, it's Christ in us, the hope and glory. If you believe in Jesus, God wants to empower you to do this life through you, right? But I just totally, I, I don't know, I can grasp that. But one of the biggest things is, it's our life that we're sharing. You guys know that, right? Like, God is in the business of transforming individuals. And he does it often over time. But it's just an amazing thing. So as we kind of jump in a little bit in chapter 20 of Acts, starting in verse 17, Paul's speaking here, right? You guys know this is, you know, Luke is writing this, but Paul is kind of speaking to Paul here. They're out amidst the missionary journey. Jordan will fill in a lot of details there. Verse 17 says, From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with humility and with tears and with trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable in teaching you publicly and from house to house. So we'll end up going all the way down to 28. But just this first section, right? Paul, who's he speaking to? He's speaking to the elders, right? He's speaking to leaders, okay? And what is he saying? That, for one, we know kind of within the picture that the Jews were persecuting him. He's supposed to go to Rome. There's that whole challenge, right? All of that's within that. But he says in verse 18 that how I was with you, for one, Paul shared his life right? As, you know, the the privilege that the camp counselors get to come alongside these campers, right? For those that don't know, there's eight weeks of camp. Our kids are ages five to 15. 
And most of the kids are kids from the community. They're not even from our church or from, you know, the school here. They're just from the community, which is an amazing. And a lot of these kids, not from Christian homes, right? And so these counselors get to share their life with these kids, you know, both the failures and the victories. But they get to see that. And one of the things that I've heard over and again, you know, is that the parents, you know, the grandparents are so thankful because these kids are loved. My prayer, and please pray for camp, that it is a safe place, that it's a sanctuary for these kids, right? That they can come and be loved on, be challenged, and taught the word of God and shown the love of God, you know, through broken, simple people like myself and like these counselors. But he says, again, that I was with you the whole time. You know, my heart of hearts, I would love to see camp be three weeks long, maybe two weeks long. And part of it is exhausting, but honestly, I would love for these kids to be with their families. You know what I mean? A lot of these kids are here seven, eight weeks, six weeks, seven, eight weeks. They're here with us more than they are with their families. We're basically daycare. But the awesome thing that's built in that is we get to disciple them. We get to walk with their lives and show them how to go through problem solving, how, to, how do you deal with conflict, how do you walk through all of these things. It's a life shared, right? And that's the way it should be for us as believers. Jesus transforms us, renews us. You know, so he says, I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord. And how did he serve verse 19 again? With humility, with tears, and with trials. I'll tell you what, as a leader, I'm always, I'm not always, but almost always shocked that when I'm stepping forward to go do something, trials hit. I get broken down. I find, oh no, Lord, anybody but me. And, but a lot of it is to get us out of the way and to show that God is faithful and that he's working through broken people. So Paul here, he's sharing this, right? That which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. So he's saying this is what's going on. He says, how I did not shrink to declare to you anything that was profitable for teaching you publicly and from house to house. And so Paul's like, hey guys, the things that I shared with you is that you would grow, that you would gain, that you would move forward in your walk with God. And not only that, but it was publicly, but also house to house. You know, there's something that happens when we do life together. You know, and again, as believers, do we do life together as leaders? You know, and maybe you don't want to raise your hand. <laughs> maybe you're, uh, I wouldn't want to step up to lead to show somebody else Jesus. Well, if you do life together, you are teaching, you're leading them. And so as we look at that, right, let's go and just look how, what does it mean to be a leader? Let's look at Mark chapter 10, verse 42. Mark 10, 42. So we know the disciples, right, Jesus is, ones that he was training up, he was leading. They were often wanting to be the greatest. They wanted to take the lead, you know, all of these things. Can we sit at your right hand, your left hand? All of those things that go on. I love what Jesus does in verse 42, chapter 10. Calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, you know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But... It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. So Jesus, for one, lays out what does it mean to be a leader? It's to serve others. It, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. I know some things are really small, but that's often time where the servanthood shows up. 
you know, the, the poor camp counselors, they get to clean South Campus. That's my job, by the way, as a camp director. I just pick up trash all day long. That's, that's what I do. And unclog toilets. So it's just, right, it's just being a servant. But at the end of the day, the counselors, guess what? They get to clean campus. They vacuum, clean toilets, you know, do all of that. But it's those simple things. I was taught that by my pastor, right, to serve in the most simple of ways, even to the point which may seem ridiculous, but, you know, the pastoral staff will park in the very, like, the last row here because we want to be servants, you know. On Sundays, we park over here so you guys have spots. I know it's small things, but it's showing, taking that lower position. A lot of times, it's reminding our own hearts, right, to take that lower position. But you shall be a servant, right? And that's a difficult thing. I don't know about you, but I love to serve, but when I'm treated like a servant, I want to bite back, <laughs> right? But to have that humble heart, because we know Jesus did, and he dwells within us. It says, whoever, verse 44, wishes to be the first among you shall be slave of all, right? So Jesus is totally flipping this mindset, like you take the lower position, you serve if you want to lead, servant leadership. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So we look at this picture of Jesus, the high calling, right? And the disciples didn't get it, and I think God is gracious with us, right? The disciples didn't get it right away, but we know that their lives ended up being changed by this. So Mark chapter 8, verse 34. So let's go a couple chapters before. Um, I'll let you know, right, with camp staff, we go through the Word of God with them in the mornings. They have morning devotions. And we went through the book of 1 John this last summer with them. And with the campers, you guys saw a picture of me upstairs teaching, going through the book of Mark, right? And so we're either, either over in the classroom of the Bible college or we're upstairs, depending on what we're doing for our running around, all Camp Mania games. But we go through the Word of God with these kids. We're teaching them the counsel of the Word of God, which... It's just, it's so necessary, right? And so we'll get more into that in just a minute. But chapter 8, verse 34, right? Here's Peter, right? He confesses. He has a great thing. He's like, you know, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ. And then he shoves his foot in his mouth, and he wanted to take him aside and rebuke him. And guess what, right? Uh, he says, get behind me, Satan. So it's like, okay, Peter has some tough lesson learnings which we all do, I think. But verse 34 says, And he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, which I love that, we're, we're following Jesus. It's a personal relationship. He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Right? And so I love it. For one, the Lord is the one who summons, if we look in that verse. He's the initiator. He summons. Maybe he calls you. Maybe he's calling you to say, hey, I want you to come alongside a younger believer, right? And what does he do? He says to come after him. So that could be number two, right? Denying yourself. Again, that's a difficult thing to lay yourself down. You know, I'm a parent of five children. Guess what? It's not about me. I'm laying my life down daily for those kids, right? And hopefully it's because I love them. <laughs> a lot of the reminder is that God loves them, right? And he dwells within me. But to deny yourself, right, and to take up the cross, which is a bizarre thing because this is before Jesus was crucified. So he's like, hey, take up a public form of ex execution, which is bizarre. But 
It's, we see it now like looking backwards, but the reality is take up your cross. And that's not my children or whoever it is or the toilets. It's yourself, right? And allowing the life of Christ to live through you. And he says, follow me. What an amazing thing, right? Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. So if you want a good memory verse, sit on these, dwell on these. But it's for my sake and for the gospel. It's the good news of the gospel, right? And so we see this picture of servant leadership. And it's a difficult thing, right, to teach on leadership. As Paul taught a couple Saturdays ago, I'm sitting there thinking, Lord, I need you. I can't do this apart from you, right? And so there's something about being just walking by faith, walking in that leadership, but seeing my need, right? And there's a constant thing. As the counselors spend time with the kids and they're just walking through things, they realize they need Jesus. The good news is we're sharing Christ. He is the hope and glory. He's the one who is good. So what does it mean to share our life? Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 7, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, right? It's in the midst of the T's. It's after Gentiles eat pork chops or whatever it is. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, right? And we have all of the T's, Thessalonians, Timothy, Titus, Pokemon, whatever his name is, Philemon. Now, some people will say, why? why are you sharing the word of God with these kids? Why are you sharing the gospel with these kids? You're only with them maybe for a week. You know, how much discipleship time do you have? Well, Paul hung out with those in Thessalonica for about three weeks. He was less than a month with them. And what did he share? It's amazing. You know, which were added afterwards, right, after the writing of the scriptures. The chapter breaks in this are perfect because at the end of every chapter, he talks about the hope of the return of Jesus. Everyone ends with the hope of the return of Jesus. Three weeks, and he's talking about end times. That, for one, that we're going to be harpazoed, right? Snatched out of this, raptured out of this, whatever, right? Because the wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus. And why would the wrath of God be double-dipped on those Whole nother study. How do we get there? Anyways, but First Thessalonians, three weeks. I love this, right? Three weeks. He says, verse 7, But we proved to be gentle among them, as nursing mothers tenderly caring for her own children. What an amazing statement. Paul's saying, this is how we were before you. We were like a mother, right? I've, I'm a, I'll be 50 in February, and I've got an eight-month-old, so... Yeah, so crazy, right? But I, I have an amazing wife, um, and the way that she cares for our little eight-month-old baby is absolutely incredible, right? She just, there's just that, the Greek word for love is the storge there, right? That nurturing, caring love. And that's what she is with Ruby, and I'm learning to be, after five kids, I'm beginning to learn, I think. But you see that there's a gentle care, Right? And so Paul says, we were that way to you. Having so fond of affection for you, we were well-pleasing to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our lives. What an amazing statement. 
look at our lives, right? Follow me as I follow Christ. Here's my life. And again, it's not perfect. There's still fail, failures. There's still times that we just completely fail and blow it. And, you know, that's why it's so important as what Jordan shared last week, talking about confession and repentance. That's what being a leader is. When we fail, we ask for forgiveness. And I never have a convenient time to do that. And it's never comfortable, by the way. But to, I'll just let you guys know, but to humble ourselves, right? And to say, you know what? Please forgive me, I failed. Maybe it's not to a non-believer. Maybe it is to a non-believer, right? Think about that. That's an open door for the gospel. Would you please forgive me? I failed. That was wrong. I, had, I, I wasn't considering you, and that was wrong of me. I want to let you know that, yes, you make fun of me because I'm a, a Christian, but it's not because I'm perfect. It's because I've been forgiven, because a perfect God took the weight of my sin and my shame and yours and has forgiven me freely, right? And so we can share the gospel in the midst of our forgiveness, right? But he says, we shared our own lives. And again, that's part of the reason why I love camp is that these counselors get to share their lives with these kids. They get to watch and say, why are you different, right? A lot of these are young kids, right? They're teenagers, college, you know, 20s, wherever it may be. But their lives are being reflected and these kids are seeing something different. And it says, because you have become very dear to us. What an awesome statement, right? And said, verse 9, For you recall, brethren, our labor and our hardship, and how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Right? And so we see part of this of leading is to not be lazy. Very simple, right? But to reflect that of their life. And then he says, verse 10, you are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave towards you believers, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you. How? As a father with his own children. So we see the life being shared, not just as a mother, right, the nurturing, but as a father. And that exhorting, that challenging, to walk with that. How amazing is that? Again, sharing our own lives. And I don't know if you guys, I don't know, some of these people you're around, right, and you're like, I want to be like them, right? Because their lives reflect something that's important, right? It's powerful, and hopefully it's the life of Christ. And so Paul poured in, right, these less than a month time with those that were, you know, the Thessalonians. Um, And it's just their lives reflected that. What did leadership look like to them? They saw their own lives. Very powerful. And so, you know, as we look at the gospel, as we look at this, let's, previous chapter, 1 Thessalonians 1.9 says, for they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you, how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So there's so much within that. But what I love that stands out about this is that you turned to God from idols. I don't know if this makes sense to you, but they didn't turn from idols to God. Think about that. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. When we are overwhelmed with him, things just don't match up. They don't fit. I don't know. 
I don't know if that makes sense to you guys, but it just blows me away. It's the precept, the concept that John the Baptist says in John that he must decrease, he must increase, and I must decrease. Now he's speaking of ministry, right? John's ministry of the the last prophet that has come forth, proclaiming of the Messiah that his ministry was going to decrease and the ministry of Christ was going to increase. But the interesting principle, which I believe fits, is the active part is Christ increasing. The reactive part is us decreasing. I don't know if that makes sense to you guys. As we fix our eyes on Jesus, he increases in our life. It's not that we're not aware of the areas that we fail, right? We confess, we go through those. But when we do fail, right, we look to our Savior, but continually, right? And we look to our Savior. When I took over camp many years ago, 2008, I think, we only had nine strong suggestions. And every Monday morning, they go through our 10 rules of camp. And so we were like, we need a 10th strong suggestion because it's to the 10 days of Christmas, right? The, the same sound, right? And so number 10, we added, it's enjoy Jesus. What? Enjoy Jesus. What? Enjoy Jesus. Because all of the other rules will make sense when we're enjoying the Lord. And this is to my own heart, my own conviction. When was the last time I enjoyed the Lord? Slowed down and just been amazed that he loves me. He saved me. I deserved death, right? The gospel is offensive. You guys know that? That y'all sinned, I sinned, and that we deserve death, that we've earned separation from the presence of God. But God, who was rich in mercy, loved us, right? But God. We, were, we went according to the course of this world, but God spent time in this body, on this earth, was rejected, was beaten, was destroyed, and yet said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, it's free for us. The very God in the flesh suffered death to be able to redeem us. And the only way we have a right relationship with God is by believing in Jesus, believing he took our place on the cross, dying for us so that we could take his place, having life. Not that we become God, but we are one with him. What an amazing thing that we can be called the children of God, that we would enjoy Jesus. As we enjoy Jesus, he increases, right? So that's kind of puts all of that in there, that you turn to God from idols. The idols don't have as much of a taste anymore. And it's still a struggle, right? The flesh and the spirit, we still wrestle through that. But they don't, they're not as satisfying that we would taste and see the Lord is good. But those things become less satisfying to us. And it's our life that changes. And it's a battle, and it's day in, and it's day out. So let's go back to Acts chapter 20. Where are you? Acts 20. You guys all had your fingers there, so you're there before me. Back there in verse 21, saying they went from house to house. Verse 21 of chapter 20. I'm reading through New American Standard, so forgive me. My buddy Matt gave me a new King James Bible on it. This is like my blanket. Like, I've had this same Bible for 20-plus years, and, like, it's comfort, and I'm working on it, all right? So, all right. So he says, I solemnly testify to both the Jews and the Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, right? 
there's a turning of heart, a turning of mind, and a turning of life. And that's what God does, right? He transforms our lives, and we become ones that can lead others to point to him. And so just the power of the gospel, we can turn from these things and turn to the Lord. So, and now behold, bound in spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. And so this is kind of what's going on, right? There's the whole thing. I believe Paul is obedient in that. You guys will talk more about it within the coming weeks. But verse 24 says this. And again, we're looking at Paul's life that reflects the gospel, that emanates, right? Light shines out of the gospel from him. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. What an amazing thing. He says, I don't consider my life dear, right? That Paul says, you know, that he dies daily, that again, follow me as I follow Christ. There is a heart, a desire, a longing to. But he says that I may finish the course, right? That I have received from the Lord Jesus and testify the gospel of the grace of God. What a powerful statement, right? The idea of proclaiming the gospel. Now, how could Paul say, follow me as I follow Christ? Because it wasn't about Paul. It was Jesus who is in him. The power of the gospel, that not only did Jesus die for our sins, but he rose again, and he conquered sin and death. And Jesus said, hey, guys, at the beginning of Acts, don't go anywhere, right? You receive power from the Holy Spirit. We had just talked about the the baptism of the Spirit, the empowering of the Spirit, the second blessing, whatever you call it, we need Him. We need the Spirit to empower us, to allow the fruits of the Spirit to be produced out of our life, right? And to allow chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, which is in the heart of gifts, chapter 12 and chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, to come out of our life, that the Spirit of God dwells in us, that we can proclaim the good news of the gospel. You and I are witnesses of Jesus, Right? This world is condemned already. This world, we've been separated from God, right? But we are on the witness stand proclaiming who we are. We aren't the old people that we used to be. It's God's grace. It's not earned. It never is going to be earned. And he has transformed us, and he is transforming us into his image and his likeness. What an amazing thing. That's hope. That's a powerful thing of the gospel of grace. Guys, God's grace radically changes us. As we continue to look in here, it says, Therefore I testify, I'm sorry, verse 25, And now, behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face, which I think they do end up seeing his face again. But, therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Why? Verse 27, For I did not shrink back, right? from declaring to you the whole purpose or the whole counsel of God. What an amazing thing to proclaim the whole counsel of God. It's a whole life that's lived, right? Paul talks about in Ephesians the mystery of Christ and the church, that mystery that God has chosen, not just his chosen people, right? We should continue to pray for his chosen people, for Israel, but that he has made one, the Gentiles, and Israel, because those that are spiritual Israel, that we've been born into that, we're grafted in as wild branches, right? 
I believe God's going to be using Israel again, Lord willing, soon, right? As the witnesses there for the day of the great and terrible day of the Lord, right? The Jacob's trouble, right? The seven years of tribulation, the 70th week of Daniel, all of that, right? God's going to use Israel again. But for this point, right? But that mystery that he's brought the two back together, what an amazing thing that he has reconciled us, not only to God, but to one another, and that we could be brought together. And that, it's just the, it's the new kingdom, right? Jesus, the good news of the gospel of our king that is coming. And so, again, how do we proclaim this as a leader? How do we apply this as we look? There's something about the whole counsel or the whole purpose of God, right? The idea, why, you know, for those that are new here at Horizon, we teach verse by verse, book by book, chapter by chapter, like, we go through God's word. You know why? There's a safety net in that. It's a little dangerous at times because there's stuff that's uncomfortable to talk about. But you know what? We need to hear it. Guess what I do with the kids? We go through the book of Mark with them this last year, one through eight chapters, and then next year, Lord willing, we're going to go through the second half of Mark with them. There was a picture in the video there of me speaking of up there, I think I already shared this, but just sharing the Word of God with them. Like, how simple to teach them to learn to go through, to understand God's whole picture of what He's doing from Genesis to Revelation, right? Now, we're only getting little snippets there at camp, but the idea is to hopefully train a heart. You guys, we're going through the Word of God to understand the whole counsel of the Word of God, right? And there's freedom in that. There's power in that. And so, how do we do that? What does a leader look like? Just continuing here, verse 28. Be on guard yourselves for uh, all of the flock among you, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. You know, as I get to teach the counselors, you... Usually, many parts of this teaching is shared within the counselors during training, right? What does it mean to be a leader? And they're learning, and it's difficult. But this is such an important thing, you know? And we have, I've seen this displayed for more than 20-something years my own life through my pastor. And, you know, I, I see it displayed in Jordan's life, right? And just to think about it, right? It's very humbling. It's, just, it's a neat picture to see what God does. But chapter 5. First Peter, therefore I exhort you elders among you as fellow elders and witnesses of the suffering of Christ, a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. There's hope. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, right? There's a desire to just to look over to make sure that everything is okay, not under compulsion, but voluntary, right? It's a desire. I, it's that mindset of I get to do this. Think about that as if maybe you're called alongside somebody and maybe it's challenging, right? I get to do this. Maybe it's a parent, right? Maybe it's a grandparent. Maybe your coworker. Maybe it's just somebody who you're discipling, walking with. I get to do this. It's voluntary. According to the will of God, which is amazing, right? God's ordained that. Not for sordid gain. It's not for what you could get out of this. Again, I think of my wife, right? Like just amazing mom, amazing woman, but she's just serving and blessing and giving not for what she can get, but to give. 
because it's better to give than to receive, the word says. But there's an eagerness. And I will tell you, right, like these kids at camp pick up, there's an eagerness and excitement. They just want to be around these counselors. Throughout the years I've asked, what's your favorite part of camp? You know, these counselors that have becoming counselors and they've been campers and they're like, oh, you know, it was Sam was my favorite part of camp. You know, oh, it, you know, it was David was my first part of camp or favorite part of camp. They were saying almost every time it's not the zip line, it's not the pool, it's people. It's the individuals, the transformation that happens in people's lives. And they see it, they, they love, they're cared for. And guess what? Again, at Horizon, like we don't say, well, we're going to put this title on you. We want you to go do it. Hopefully, our lives are walked out and they're like, hey, you're already serving and walking as this. Then you get the title. I don't know if that makes sense, but the, the idea is that we're not doing it because we're trying to gain something. We're doing it because we have Christ, we're content in Christ, and we're serving and we're loving and leading. And that just gets given. And I don't know if that makes sense. And again, we fail, right? But it's a desire that's humble and teachable and, and grow, growing. So he says, right, there's an eagerness. Not yet lording over those allotted to your charge. And I will tell you, I'm on the other side of this wall during this service most of the time, or has been most of the time lately, teaching the fourth through sixth graders. If anybody wants to do that, I need a tag team partner. My partner just left. I was usually doing two weeks on, two weeks off. But uh, where did I get to? Oh, but the idea of just pouring into these young hearts, these young lives, teaching the word of God to them. Not because it's easy, but it's worth it. I have no idea where I was going with that. Shameless plug. Just deal with it, I guess. Oh, not lording over their charge, right? Here it is. You better not do that because God's watching, right? Should never happen. I tell my counselors, no. The Lord delights in you. He can't get enough of you. Like he is glowing to like, I don't know, whatever term you want to put. But the, Jesus delights in you guys. Enjoy him, right? It's not that he's watching you because he wants to thump you. He enjoys you, right? And so be aware of that. Okay, so just this, that heart. But proving to be an example of the flock. Let your life live it, right? And then he says, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. We're not doing it for that, but we're doing it. We're going to see Jesus face to face. What an amazing thing. So we're going to end on this. Let's end on this. 2 Timothy 3.15. Speaking of the kids, right? There's a lot of verses here. You guys know this. 2 Timothy 3.15. You're in the T's, Wes. Come on, come on. Classic verses, right? What is the whole counsel? God's whole purpose? It's the whole word of God, Right? Here, Lois and Eunice, which is mom and grandma of Timothy, faithfully taught the word, faithfully lived the word of God to them. And it says in verse 15, that from childhood you have known the sacred writings. And in my mind, it's probably not true, but I see this as the Old Testament because the New Testament hasn't been brought forth, right? The sacred writings, which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And then he says, we all know this, right? All scripture is inspired by God or, or literally breathed out by God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is the word of God. All scripture is inspired by God. And what does it do? It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. We could have 
obviously a full Bible study, but that's just like a child, right? Training in righteousness, so that what? That the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work, right? I solemnly charge you, and he's speaking to a pastor here, but I believe leaders in general, right? Whether that's just discipling one person or your neighbors or as a parent or as a boss, charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and in, by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction, right? And so it's a life lived, and it's example lived, and it's spoken, right? And then he talks about, just like it is in Acts 20, that there's going to be unhealthiness that's going to come in, that's going to try to draw people away, but stick close to the word. So we shall pray, right? And so I think we got time for the worship team to come on up. Lord, thank you so much that you've chosen the foolish things of the world that confound the wise, the weak and the debased things. Lord, that it's you that we simply need. God, I, I think of just what, God, you do in the lives of camp counselors that are willing to step out and come alongside these kids. What you do in the lives of the Sunday school teachers that come alongside the teachers or, or that love on their neighbors or parents or bosses that not only say things, but their actions follow it up. Thank you, Jesus. You not only spoke the truth, but you went to the grave. You were beaten, Lord. You were obedient to the point of death. You lived out. Lord, you're one who could be trusted. Thank you for hope in you. And Lord, if there's anybody in here, Lord, today that doesn't know you, that have never trusted you to say, I need forgiveness of sins. I think I've just been cruising this and I've never gotten to that place of, please forgive me for my sins. I need you to be the king of my life and I want to follow you. May today be that day that they would respond just to say, yes, please forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you. I need you to be the king of my life. And so minister to us, Lord, teach us how to walk humbly with our God as others follow. In the name